Good morning. Our Bible reading this morning will come from Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 24. So if you don't have your Bibles, I will make sure my words are clear for you to hear. I'm reading from the ESV translation this morning. Fasting. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Lay up treasures in heaven. Do not lay up your treasures for yourselves on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Matthew and somebody else will come up and they'll introduce themselves. And I, I realise I don't actually introduce myself and say my name very often. Um, uh, if you're new here, uh, welcome. It's great to have you along. Um, this morning it's important that I tell you my name. Um, my name's Henry. I'm not just saying that to note myself but it's important for where we're going um, you see when I was growing up there was a certain song uh, that gave me nightmares kind of traumatized me uh, it's it's a song that once I start you will know it I'm sure you may not have heard it for a long time uh, so we're going to have a trip down memory lane this morning it goes a bit like this. I'm not going to sing it by the way uh, it, it starts like this there's a hole in my bucket Dear Liza, dear Liza, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, a hole. And it's this song that one person speaks and the next person answers. And of course the next person says, oh, the, the person speaking to dear Liza is a person called Henry. So Henry says, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza. And dear Liza responds with, well, fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. And I grew up with people singing that song to me. <laughs> and whenever we sung it in primary school, everybody turned and looked at me. The song goes on, well, fix it, dear Henry. With what shall I fix it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With straw, dear Henry, dear Henry. But the straw is too long, dear Liza. Well, cut it, dear Henry. With what shall I cut it, dear Liza? With a knife, dear Henry. I mean, can you hear the frustration as it goes along? With a knife, dear Henry. But the knife is too blunt, dear Liza. Well, sharpen it, dear Henry. With what shall I sharpen it, dear Liza? With a stone. I never quite got that until I was older. With a stone, dear Henry. 
But the stone is too dry, dear Eliza. Well, wet it, dear Henry. With what shall I wet it, dear Eliza? With water? I mean, how dense is this kid? (laughs) With water from where, dear Eliza? From the well, dear Henry. With what shall I fetch it, dear Eliza? With a bucket, dear Henry. But there's a hole in my bucket. Dear Henry doesn't appear that bright. Constantly going round in circles. The more I observe human nature, the more it seems that we're all looking to try and fill our buckets. But our buckets are full of holes. We want better lives. We want more money. We want to be able to buy all the things that money can buy. Uh, better houses, uh, nicer cars, new clothes, the, the latest toys, holidays. We want bigger and better than last year. And maybe we're not aiming for Lamborghinis and mansions, but we want just a little more than last year, don't we? We're always looking to the next thing. And if it's not wealth then maybe it's health or our appearance or our reputation, our career. Maybe it's just our our sense of worth, our, our significance or power in the places that we operate. And so we chase it, whatever that next thing is. We plan for it, we work hard for it, and sometimes we downright have to fight for it, don't we? Some people I know live each waking moment of their lives for that next thing, trying to fill their bucket. But there's a problem, isn't there? Because when we really stop and think about all the things that we're chasing, we realize that the bucket has a huge hole. Everything that we're chasing, no matter how hard we try, it just kind of feels like it's dribbling out the other end. Some people realize that and they give up completely. They just stop chasing anything. I think those people are relatively few. Others change direction though and they try and fill their bucket with things that seem less selfish and appear more meaningful. I'm going to fill my bucket with with charity, with family, with friends, with community causes or maybe social justice issues. Things that are important. But again, no matter how hard we chase that thing, whatever it might be, that good thing perhaps, it always feels that that thing is one step ahead. There's a hole in the bucket. And I want to suggest this morning that in church land, in lives of faith, in our Christianity, we might be trying to fill a holy bucket too. If I pray more, if I tithe more, if I fast more, that was the reading we had this morning, if I fast more, if I read just the right version, believe just the right doctrine, say the right words and go to all the right places and events and things, if I serve in enough ministries, if I give enough time, then maybe, just maybe, God will fill my bucket and bless me. 
I think many well-meaning, faithful, committed Christians perhaps have got to the point where they've found that their religious bucket, or a word that I've heard several times already this morning, their spiritual bucket is leaking too. So my question for us this morning is this. What do I do about the hole in my bucket? Or can I rephrase that? Maybe a better way of saying it. How do I have a life that is truly full? How do I have a life that is truly full? We're going to be looking at our passage in Matthew chapter 6. And I believe that Matthew shares Jesus' answer to this question. How do I have a life that is truly full? By full, I don't just mean busy with lots of stuff going on. Truly full. See, we've been looking for the last few weeks at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 and 6. We're going to get to chapter 7 as well. At the start of chapter 5, Jesus describes those who are blessed. Remember the Beatitudes that we started with. Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. There's a bunch of those statements. Well, one of them in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 is this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And if you're looking at a slightly different translation, it will say, they shall be filled. It's the same idea, the same meaning. The idea of being filled and fullness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. He's also used the word righteous righteousness a number of times already in fact that righteousness appears to be the theme of the sermon on the mount but one of the at least one of the big themes of the sermon on the mount, mount righteousness he goes on and describes righteousness it's a different kind of righteousness than the righteousness of the scribes and the pharisees jesus calls it a greater righteousness you know, it struck me recently that we don't use that word righteous very much. When's, other than in church, when's the last time you used the word righteous in a sentence? Probably not recently. We don't use that. I, I think there's a couple of other words that we use in the same way. And we've used them this morning. Religiousness or religion. I think that's a synonym for right, the kind of righteousness that's being talked about here. And the other one is spiritual. Spiritual and spirituality, this kind of righteousness. See, Jesus has talked about, and we've heard sermons on these already, about a righteousness in our relationships. Or we could say a spirituality in our relationships, a real spirituality in our relationships. And he deals with anger and lust and divorce and broken promises and retaliation and loving our enemies. And these are all heart issues where our spirituality meets other people in everyday life. How does our, how does our righteousness, our religion, how does our spirituality impact the way we live and relate to other people? Last week we heard about righteousness in terms of spiritual practices of giving and praying. We call them uh, called righteous practices, but we would call them spiritual practices of, of giving and praying. And this morning we, in our Bible reading, we heard about the spiritual practice of 
Fasting. See how righteousness and spirituality, I think, are synonyms. Today's passage starts with fasting. It's really actually a continuation of last week's passage. I should have given Frank another bit of scripture, the, the bit on fasting as well. He could have gone on, but I know he said to me he struggled to keep it to time last week because there was so much in there. And that's always the case, isn't it, with scripture? So I'm glad I didn't give him fasting, but we're going to have a quick look at it this morning. And what is interesting is that I don't actually think it's about fasting. As much as I don't think last week was about praying and giving. But we'll get to that. We're going to compare two things. False spirituality, a bucket full of holes, versus true spirituality, which is a whole new bucket. And then we're going to finish by trying to get a little bit practical with where we're going. So firstly, false spirituality, a bucket full of holes. Chapter 6, verse 1, I believe is the key to all of chapter 6. It starts with this big statement, and everything that follows after that connects back to chapter 6, verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1 of Matthew says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. We could read that spirituality. Beware of practicing your spirituality before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. This is a warning about the motivation of doing spiritual things. If your motivation for practicing righteousness, if your reason for doing spiritual things is to be seen by others and recognized and applauded and appreciated, God will not reward that. Any applause that you get from others, that's all you get. Last week, the, the passages were about this extravagant giving. Giving so that everybody can see how much you give and who you give to and how good you are because you give so much. And how loud you pray. And, and, and where were they praying? On the street corners where so many people could see them and they would pray loud and long prayers and people would go by going, wow, look how spiritual they are. And God says, that little bit of recognition or applause, that's all you get. There is no heavenly reward. So we get to our passage in chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Can you imagine that? Oh, I'm fasting. I'm so spiritual. It's so hard. I, I don't even know how you disfigure your face. Like it, There's something going on here. The Bible speaks about fasting. In a lot of places, you do a quick little Google uh, Bible app search on, on fasting, you'll get a whole lot of hits. And there are reasons for fasting. If you go through the verses, you, they kind of they do all boil down to one thing. But I'll give you some of the other broader reasons. Repentance. 
Fasting for repentance over sin, whether it's personal sin or corporate sin or national sin, calling a fast to repent over sin. Think of Jonah going to the Ninevites uh, and the Ninevites repent and the king calls a national fast of repentance. Petitioning God, asking God for something. We fast so that we, uh, in, in order to speak to God and put all our focus on him so that he will answer a prayer. It might be a prayer for help or protection or to meet our needs or, or to have guidance in decision making. But there's fasting for petitioning God. There's fasting for deliverance from demons and from enemies and from dangerous situations throughout scripture. There's fasting for mourning loss in Scripture. But they all point to one thing. And a number of passages about fasting use this word. They all point to this. Humility before God. Fasting is recognizing our position before God and coming to Him in humility, saying, you are all I need. You are the one I need. Above anything else and everything else, you are what I need, and I'm needy. If fasting is for any other reason than humbling yourself before God, if it's seeking praise of others or, or to appear spiritual slash righteous, if it's about your reputation or, or being honored or, or being seen as anything else, that's it. There's no other reward for you. It's a bucket full of holes. You see, three times in Matthew chapter 6, at the end of the passage about giving, at the end of the passage about praying, and right here at the end of the passage about fasting, it says this, your father who sees in secret will reward you. If we seek to do these spiritual practices to get rewarded by others, to, to fill our own buckets, that's all there is. But when we do these spiritual practices before God in humility, with the right motivation of Him, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And I think that's really important. So these spiritual practices are between you and God. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of your heart. And you trust that he sees you and any rewards for being spiritual come from him alone. It's all to do with our motivation. We're talking about buckets with holes and trying to fix them. Have you ever tried to fix something that you're not qualified to fix? Some of you are nodding. A few years ago, I tried to save money by changing the oil in my car myself. And all the real men are going, oh no, Henry, what have you done? How hard could it be? All my neighbors are car guys. They've got hoists and jacks and all sorts of machines that make noise. And they all know their cars. And I thought, I'm as good as them. I can do something. Someone told me it's easy to change the oil. I watched a YouTube clip on how to change my oil. Save, I don't know, mechanics charge a lot. So I thought, I'm going to save money, change my oil. How hard could it be? Watch the YouTube clip. Okay, take the, the sump plug out the bottom, 
talking buckets, put a bucket underneath, drain all the oil out. I drained all the oil out and I thought, wow, I've seen oil before. That looks a bit different. It's, it's not as dark and dirty. So maybe I didn't really need to change, but maybe it was really good oil and it's lasted a long time. It's fantastic. And drained it all out, put the plug back in. That's important. Put the plug back in. Went to the, open the bonnet, took the oil cap off and started topping up with oil. I got a lot of oil. I thought, I'm going to empty this thing and fill it up with new oil. It didn't take much oil. Thought, That's weird. My car only uses... This. There was a lot more oil came out, but it doesn't matter. That's what YouTube said. So I put the cap back on, started up, started driving around. It wasn't long. Some of you already know what's going on. It wasn't long before my car's making funny noises, like bad noises. And then it starts doing this, what is going on with the oil I put in? I thought I'd go back and watch the video clip again. I thought I'd get under the car and look, and I found there's two plugs. <laughs> one's for the oil and one's for the transmission fluid. I drained all the transmission fluid out of my car. Now I'm driving it with zero transmission fluid in, and my car didn't like it. I managed to get it to the mechanic. He said, you're this close to, like, never driving that car again. I will say that two years later, I did need a new transmission, and they are expensive because of what I did two years before. I want to suggest that this morning, some of us might be in the situation where we've been trying really hard to be spiritual, you know, we can almost idolize spirituality. Whatever we think it is that makes you spiritual, that makes you more spiritual uh, before God, that makes you more spiritual than others perhaps. Deep down this morning, you know that your spiritual engine is actually running pretty rough. Something's not right. Your spiritual bucket's got a hole. I want to suggest in our passage that Jesus continues and he gives us the answer and it's not patch up the hole, it's get a new bucket. You need a different bucket, a whole new bucket, a bucket that I'm going to call this morning true spirituality. And there's three aspects to this new bucket and I believe that the three passages really dig to three questions that we need to ask ourselves. The first one is verses 19 to 21 of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus continues and says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay out for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The first question I've got for us is this. Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Is it on earth? Is it here? On earth? Or is it in heaven? See, what you treasure will capture your heart. It will capture your affections, your passions, your energy, your time. It will capture everything about you. Wherever your treasure is will capture you. And if it's not something that's eternal, then it's temporary and it's fleeting. It won't last. It'll get destroyed. It may get stolen. And ultimately, it's worthless. 
the rewards you get from that thing now, wherever it is that you have your treasure, the rewards you get from it now will be all you have. So the question is, do you want treasure that will only last this lifetime? Or treasure in eternity? I want to suggest that it's not just about where your treasure is, because it it doesn't just affect your heart, but it also affects your eyes, which helps link into the next verse, which if you just read this next verse on its own, it's like, is this a little confusing? I think it's there in the context of the bigger passage. Verse 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? If, if the light is darkness, how great is the darkness? My question here is, what's your focus? The first question was, where's your heart? This question is, what's your focus? If your heart is set on the things of this earth, treasures now, then that's where your focus will be. That's what your eyes will be fixed on. And you won't be able to see anything else. It's like tunnel vision. Just see that one thing and everything else is dark. And if that thing that you're focused on is dark itself, then everything's dark. So where your focus is, is critical. And what you focus on, you move towards, don't you? So if your focus is on the wrong things, then you will move in that direction. And Jesus' encouragement here is focus on the light and you'll be full of light. Don't be distracted by those things that will fill you with darkness. But it's more than that. It's not just about where your treasure is. It's not just about what you're focusing on. See, when it comes down to it, I want to suggest this morning that it's not just a where or a what, but it's really about a who. Verse 24 Jesus continues and says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The old versions of this say God and mammon. Who's heard that strange word, mammon? It's not just the idea of dollars and cents. It's the idea of money and wealth and everything that money can buy and the whole shebang, the whole thing. All that stuff that we try and cram into our bucket. I don't know if you've ever tried to work for two bosses. Three of my kids have worked at pizza shops and pizza shops have an owner Sometimes the owner is the manager. Sometimes the owner hires a couple of managers to to run shifts so that they can go off and do whatever owners do with all their money. Um, My kids, all three of them, have worked in pizza shops. And at different times, I'm pretty sure all of them have come home and they've been angry and they've been frustrated and annoyed and confused. Do you know why? Because when the manager, when the owner hired them and said, this is how you make a pizza, this is, how, this is the recipe for pasta sauce, this is what we do for this, they go, okay, got it, I will do what I'm told to do. And then the manager comes and goes, oh, I do it this way. 
No, no, you don't have to do that. Do it this way. And they come home going, I don't know what to do. The owner said this and the manager said this. I'm trying to serve two bosses and I never can get it right because I do it this way. The manager comes in and says, no, you're doing it wrong. I told you to do it this way. I do it this way. And the owner comes in and says, I told you to do it this way. You can't serve two masters. I wonder this morning how you're going. How's your level of righteousness? Let me rephrase that. How's your spiritual life? How's your spiritual bucket? Would you describe your life as Jesus did in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are you full this morning? Or is there a hole in your bucket? How do you live a life that is truly full? I want to suggest, this is, this is the sentence I came up with. You could probably improve on it, but this is what I got this morning. How do you live a life that is truly full? Pursue true righteousness privately and humbly, knowing that your rewards from God are eternal. Pursue true righteousness privately and humbly, knowing your rewards from God are eternal. I want to finish with some some practical. How? How do I do that? First one is this, reassess. Maybe this morning, if you're feeling like there's a hole in your bucket, maybe it's time to reassess. Where's your heart? What are you treasuring most? Is it money? Is it a career? Is it stuff? Is it your position in some organization? Is it approval? Is it acceptance? Is it about being right? What is it that you treasure most at the moment? I want to suggest if it's not Jesus, if it's not following him, then perhaps this morning is a time for confession. A time of giving up any thoughts of the rewards of this earth. And making Jesus our treasure and what he has to offer our treasure. Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. Reassess. The second one is this. Maybe it's refocus. Maybe you need to refocus. Maybe after reassessing, then we refocus on those things that you know God wants you to focus on. Maybe you've been distracted by this and that. That's, that's not your heart intention, but you've been distracted on different things. Maybe it's time to refocus on what you know God wants you to refocus on. What do you need to do in order to take your eyes off of the wrong things and to refocus onto Him? Felicity and I started talking about maybe taking a holiday 
we've got to save up a whole lot first, but, you know, they're expensive. Maybe taking a holiday later on in the year and having a bit of a break and we had this dream of somewhere where there's a beach and, there's, and Felicity's dream is and no phone coverage <laughs> because of the distraction that those things are. Maybe you need to turn something off, put something away, get rid of something in order to refocus on Jesus and what's most important. Reassess, refocus. Thirdly, maybe this morning for you it's recommit. Maybe this morning you need to recommit to Jesus as the one and only master that you are serving. And you know, we don't often use the word master or if we use the word master about Jesus and God, it kind of has this authoritative control it has these connotations that we don't like and so often we try and push that away you know all through matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 god is referred to as father john spoke about that he's our father we're his children so as we even as we call him master have master slash father in one hold it together you know you can't serve two masters So make sure that the master you're serving is the right one. God is a master who's actually a father who loves his children and delights in rewarding his children with good things, both now and eternally. Who else would you want to serve? Really? How do you have a life that's truly full? Pursue righteousness, pursue true righteousness privately and humbly, knowing your rewards from God are eternal. I want to leave that challenge with us this morning. Maybe it's reassess, maybe it's refocus, maybe it's recommit. And maybe this morning is, it's just the right time and, and with Jonathan and Eve offering to pray for people, maybe it's just the right time for you this morning after the service to come down and pray with Jonathan and Eve. Or maybe there's someone else that you're close to that you can pray with and, and say, you know what, I, I need to refocus. Would you pray for me? I need to reassess some things. Would you pray with me? I need to recommit. Would you be with me as I pray? this morning we're going to move into our time of communion you know I was struck during the week with Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 where it tells us that Jesus did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many you know a lot of the times our Filling our bucket stuff is all about us being served. What Jesus did for us on the cross was he came and he emptied his bucket, if you like, and served us. He set the ultimate example. Not concerned with the spirituality that was praised by others, not seeking the blessing of an amazing, incredible, awesome earthly life. No thought for wealth or fame or earthly power, but he chose to serve. He chose to be obedient and serve his father 
to the point of death. A life of true righteousness. True spirituality, if you like. Humbly, quietly seeking God, serving Him and trusting Him for the rewards to come. So as we come and we take the bread and the juice that represent Jesus' body and blood, we remember that because of his death and resurrection, we now have access to God our Father. We come to him as his children and we have a life that is truly full because he's the one that fills us. Let's pray and then we'll share in communion together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are God. We thank you that you are almighty. We thank you that you are awesome in power and wonder and glory and at the same time you are our Father. You're our Father who promises to give good gifts to his children. You're our Father who longs to be approached by your children. Like a child who's fed up with scooting and just lifts his hands up to you and says, Help, I come to you. And Father, we have that access because of what Jesus, your Son, has done. Taking our place on the cross, taking our sin, giving us his righteousness. And now we can come to you and be accepted by you and pray to you. Father, that should fill us with such incredible joy. It should be the, you should be the center of our attention continuously. But Lord, we confess that we live in a world that is full of distraction. And so even if it's just for a moment now, Father, we come with Jesus as our focus to remember him, to remember his sacrifice for us. And in remembrance, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.